This is the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your virtual design guide to help you and your family have a healthy, beautiful landscape with less work. What's up and welcome to episode 17 of the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. I'm so glad you guys are here today to talk about natives and exotics. That's right. In the, especially in the more naturally minded or ecologically minded uh, space, this is a very hot and heavy topic, and it's starting to percolate into landscape design as well. And and maybe this is something you're interested in and trying to understand what do native plants have to offer and and why is the whole natives and exotics thing such a big deal to some people anyway. So we're going to kind of dig into that today and try to understand a bit more about it and also what it means to you in your landscape. Before we do that, though, I just wanted to share a little snippet. Uh, I know last episode there was there was a little bit of background noise and stuff and and here's just kind of a fun tidbit for you guys i'm i actually my recording studio my high-tech recording studio for this podcast is the best quiet environment i can find away from work away from home where uh you know it's it's actually kind of pretty noisy at home usually with our our little guys running around and stuff and uh there's there's not very many private spaces for me to record this podcast i don't have things set up where i have you know an office space yet or anything for for my business. It's it's mostly a digital business, so I can run most of the business from my home. But with this being a new podcast, you know, this is kind of a throws a little bit of a wrench into things. So what I do is I actually record this podcast in my car that I use to commute to work every day. So there's a, there's a funny little tidbit about this podcast for you. Is this is a a car recorded podcast, a auto auto podcast i guess <laughs> so uh, don't worry though i'm i'm stationary in the vehicle i'm not driving somewhere right now so i can give full focus and attention on the podcast but what i do is i actually usually i'm actually sitting in the parking lot at my my uh, full-time day job and uh, there's a there's a beautiful view there so here you can hear a car going by right now through the par- parking lot and uh, it's a little weird i get some funny looks sometimes but uh i'm glad you guys enjoy listening to me maybe my co-workers uh don't find the this situation quite as appealing but uh it's a beautiful view outside and and um i get to you know uh watch the birds fly by and the wind blow through the plants and stuff as uh as I record this podcast, so it makes it quite an enjoyable experience as opposed to maybe a, a less enjoyable experience uh, hidden in some boxed-in office or something. So anyway, um, with that, what I wanted to say is is that um, especially with the weather warming up, uh, you know, the, this car is like a sauna, and so I've been cracking the windows, opening up the windows, enjoying the breeze, but uh, unfortunately with that, there's some more noise that happens too. <laughs> so so last episode, uh, I actually had to pause the recording a couple times because this helicopter kept flying over, and there was no way I could record with this, this noisy helicopter coming over. So uh, I guess uh, with the warmer weather, I'll be dealing with that more. It was quite comfortable in the cooler um times when the sun you know was shining enough on the vehicle enough to keep it nice and nice and comfortable inside but now it's it's not so comfortable so anyway enough about that uh you know you got your laugh for today um i'm i'm quite comfortable with a little bit of self-deprecating humor in order to uh make people's days more enjoyable so you're welcome <laughs> um all right so natives and exotics uh 
really with with natives and exotics. So what we're talking about here is is plants that are generally considered indigenous or native to a certain space. And and for the sake of this podcast, um, I'm going to be talking about North American natives, primarily in the continental U.S. is what I'm talking about. There's a lot of carryover, you know, um, if uh, you know into Canada and even into Mexico with plants that are native into the U.S. And actually, there's certain plants, too, that are, are globally relevant. But um, for the sake of this podcast, we're going to be talking primarily about uh, continental U.S. plants when I'm referring to natives. And for those of you that listen internationally, the same principles apply here. And, and you can kind of ask yourself the same stuff for for your uh, region that you live in as well. And, and um, what this means to you. So when it comes to natives, there is a huge wide array of opinions about this, uh, whether or not natives are important, uh, especially in landscape design, uh, whether it's okay to use exotics in your design and what types of exotic plants you can use. So exotic means that they're not necessarily considered native to your area. So they might be from another continent or another region or across a mountain range or something like that. And so what's native to um, Ohio, where I live, might not be considered native to southern Texas or to California, and sometimes for good reasons, sometimes just due to geographical separation. So um, there's a lot of levels to this whole debate, and uh, we're not going to get into that deep stuff and to talk about semantics. Um, if you're interested, I will provide some other resource for you as well uh, at the end of the show. Um, but yeah, what ties into these opinions is a lot of emotion, for one but also a lot of ecology and, and environmental understanding, um, a, a lot of sensation as well, and uh, also just experience uh, with certain things in the past. So there have been um, plants in, pa- in the past. We're going to focus on plants here. There's a ton of other you know, native and exotic debates as well with insects and, and that sort of thing. Um, but here we're just talking about the plants and um, experience with invasive species, right? You may have heard that term. And what does that term mean? Um, so that's kind of where all these opinions come from when we're talking about natives. And you may be wondering, why is this important? Or is, is it important, right? And, and what is the context around this? So as far as the context... Importance, I guess to step back, importance, I'm actually going to leave this up to you guys, uh, the listener. You know, for you personally, I'm not the one to judge whether or not uh, this is important to you. Instead, I just want to inform you um, of the background here and to leave you up to make your own conclusion. I'll also share what my thoughts are towards the end of the show um, as well in case you want them. But but really, this boils down to uh, what's important to you. But for um, the general trend here, I guess, of of natives and exotics or whatever, the general perspective here is that what's the context? So let's kind of get into the context as opposed to questioning whether or not it's important. We'll leave that towards the end of the show. So from an environmental standpoint, um, there's a lot of context that goes into influencing whether natives or exotics are are preferred or important. Um, one is their their relationship with other plants. How do they interact with other plants in the native landscape? So, or the, I guess the wild landscape is a better term for it. So the un, I guess, uncultured um, landscape or the, the non-designed landscape, how do how to uh, how does your plant that you're considering interact with that? Whether it's a native, 
you know, a so-called native or an exotic plant. And um, that's important. Likewise, how does it interact with the insects or the soil microbiology of your area? Um, There's a lot of interaction between insects and other animals, uh, birds, for example. Um, It's very important to consider that as well because when you're dealing with certain plants, they attract certain insects or or birds that may be native to your region, whereas exotics may not. And so understanding that uh, can influence your designs. There's also a lot of historical context here. So generally speaking, in the past, um, up till the recent past, and even now I would say too, not this isn't an absent feeling, but, but that exotic kind of means a more refined taste, right? If you have access to something exotic, you have access to something that is different, is unique, and comes from far away. So it's it's cooler, right? It has the coolness effect, I guess, is the is a good way to say it. And and likewise there's also some emotional context as well. For example, native can mean that it's you know, you have something that's kind of plain or normal and it's not as exciting potentially. So there's a lot of a lot of factors that go into why we have this appeal to native landscapes or we have this appeal to exotic landscapes and what goes into feeding that that feeling or belief or tendency. And it kind of goes both ways as well. There's also principles that people have that, that you know, determine what kind of plants they prefer as well. So there's just, I, I just want to point out, there's a lot of context behind this. And and I want us to kind of all try and shed that context as we have this discussion, uh, just to kind of have a more um, unbiased perspective going in. Or, or maybe you've, you know, maybe your perspective is from, from other people or hearing other things. And I want us to really take a step back and just try and understand things a bit more before we kind of go in further. So, of course, before we really have a discussion about um, characteristics of exotic plants and characteristics of native plants, we have to define what what is native. What does that actually mean, right? Um, if you take, for example, uh, Native Americans, right? People, some people prefer different terms for the for the the local indigenous population that lived here in the United States before 1492. And, and whether or not um, a certain term is the right term and um, also uh, what that term relates to. Is it the, the, the people that lived here in 1491 uh, and earlier uh, or is it the people that lived from, say, uh, the year you know, the year 1000 up to 1491, uh, or is it the people that lived from 1492 up to now, present time? So there's a lot of context, for example, in that discussion that determines, um, you know, that changes with definition based on the discussion you're having. And so likewise, uh, with natives as well, when we're talking about plants. And for the sake of this discussion, I, I will say there there are tons and tons of definitions here and and tons of varying opinion. Some people consider, for example, the ginkgo tree. Um, you may have heard about ginkgo in, uh, say, your energy drinks that you might hear of or, or imbibe yourself. Um, but uh, uh, ginkgo is um, it was native to or a, I guess locally populated in, across much of the U.S. in prehistoric times. Um, but that was a significant uh, time period ago, you know, and now it's not considered, uh, 
I guess locally indigenous is a, a, a term I'll use. Um, and so does that mean it's a native or not? And, and depending upon the person you talk to, they will agree or disagree whether or not that's considered a native. So for the context here in today's show, what I'm going to do is, is it's kind of the mainstream opinion is that, uh, Native plants, for the sake of this discussion, are plants that existed in the ecosystem within the continental U.S. uh, in the year 1491. And so if you think about 1491, why I've brought up that date a couple times is in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. That's basically all I remember of of U.S. history class. Um, So don't ask me to quote anything else, but but that little rhyme uh, reminds us that that's when European settlers first started uh, discovering and settling the United States region. And that with that um, came a lot of changes in the, uh, the population here in the United States, as well as the landscape and the ecosystems. And so one of those changes was, was um, uh, native plants and, and also just plants in general. So for example, um, there's a, a common, weed across the eastern United States called uh, plantain, not to be confused with the banana-looking thing from uh, more southerly regions. Uh, but plantain is actually a, it's a, it's a small herbaceous re- weed that is uh, perennial, so it comes back uh, after a couple years. And this, this weed, uh, or what people call a weed, generally speaking, uh, at, at the time was actually dubbed white man's footprint uh, by Native Americans because it, wherever um, the European settlers kind of disrupted the ecosystem by clearing the place out for farmland and for, for housing and that sort of thing, these little plants would pop up everywhere. Well, these little plants, the plantain plants, they're native to Europe not to United States. And so it's just an example that th- things really changed significantly after that date. And so what's considered native to a lot of people um, is considered what was um, here in the United States before European settlement. Okay, so we could go on actually for hours and hours and hours about a lot of this stuff. And, and to be honest, I actually don't enjoy all of those conversations because like I said earlier, there's a lot of emotion and sensation into it. I like to prefer to look at things from a, a more um, contextual standpoint of uh, the ecology and the science or um, just facts and, and also plant relationships. There's a lot that's known, but also a lot that's unknown about plant relationships and how do certain plants affect those relationships. And so that's for another time. Today, I just kind of want to give us a, an overview of this whole natives and exotic plant things and, and what it means to you. So now that we've got that clear, and, and f- just for anybody out there who has a different opinion, that's totally fine. That's just for the sake of this discussion today. And so if you have other opinions to share about this show or other thoughts to share about this show, head on over to aestheticecosystems.com slash episode 17, so episode 17, and that'll take you to the webpage for this show. And and leave a comment in the comments section. Let's have a discussion about this. Let's have an open discussion about this 
uh, and try and, you know, stay past the emotional piece or the sensational piece and just trying to have a pragmatic discussion. And let's acknowledge, too, that there are a wide variety of opinions here. And, and that's OK with any sort of issue is, is that it's OK to have various opinions and to respect other people's opinions about it, too. So for the sake of this show, let's just go with that definition and, and move forward into understanding more about these plants. OK, so what I'm going to do now is talk about the advantages and disadvantages of exotic plants, what they have to offer, and then follow up with advantages and disadvantages of native plants. And then we'll kind of wrap up the show after that with a, a, a another follow-up, which is my personal take or my personal view, and then trying to help you understand what's your personal take on all this. What, what How do you feel about this? And then how can it influence your your landscape design processes? And, and how does this all influence what you want with a low maintenance landscape. That's actually really important too. So that's kind of how we're going to go through the rest of this show. So exotic plants, what are the advantages that exotic plants have to offer? Why, you know, why do, why isn't everybody just a, like a natives only person, right? What, what makes people want to use exotic plants in the landscape? So first and foremost, a lot of exotic plants offer a lot of beauty, you know, they, there's plants from all over the world. That's the advantage of a global society, right? We, we've discovered all these different regions and pockets of the world. And, and with that, we've found all these different beautiful plants that we can bring into our landscape and, and enjoy the beauty of, of these plants within our own backyard. And, and that's one of the big things for exotics is they, we've, we've selected certain, and not me personally, but we as a as a species, I guess, as humans, have selected these different plants and sometimes also selectively bred these plants to have certain characteristics that we find appealing in our landscapes, and that's why they're there. So that's the first big thing, you know. It's a, it's a really big thing. Secondly, there's a huge diversity of selection. Um, exotic plants, you know, there's all different varieties, different types from all over the world and also adapted to a, a wide variety of different um soil types and just ecosystems in general and bringing those into our landscapes give us a wider palette of selection so so that's something to be said as well there's more variety with, with that diversity piece you know you have a lot more variety to choose from and so much sometimes that it can be overwhelming like totally overwhelming right um, and even just within one species of plant one type of plant you have all these different varieties potentially that have been selectively bred for size for shape for color for bloom color for bloom timing uh, just take the apple tree for example as a as an example with the edible that first of all that's considered a non-native plant um it's native to you know the the middle eastern regions uh, uh and and like western asia as well and but the apple tree has been with humans for for ages and ages and throughout that there's thousands of varieties of different types of apples that you can select for and each each variety has its own unique characteristics and so the same goes for a lot of these different plants with exotic plants especially because there's just so many of them um, and in the last piece in the name itself they're exotic they're different they're they're from another place and sometimes you know people want that something that that feels so foreign but we can bring it into our landscape it, it kind of has a sense of of convenience or even power or or just uniqueness you know it's the whole feel of having something exotic in your own landscape 
So those are all advantages that come into the um, having an exotic plant in your landscape. Now let's talk about some of the disadvantages. So with exotic plants, they can be potentially harmful for our local landscapes. For one, they have they can have a tendency to take over sometimes or to bring various diseases into the area or to um, impact the local native populations of different um, insects or animals. And so these are all things you have to consider when you're actually considering a native, or excuse me, an exotic plant. So it's really good if you're choosing, you know, an exotic plant um, to consider whether or not it has any of these known negative effects. Sometimes there's effects that we might not even know, um, which a lot of times with these plants, we we bring these plants into our landscapes and we find out later um, that there's all all of a sudden there's this trend of of this one plant that was thought to be good, uh, you know, so-called good um, or okay to have in the landscape. It it has some sort of uh, unexpected negative effects. And so there's always a risk or a chance that an exotic plant could be potentially harmful to your local ecosystem. And so it's just something to keep in mind. And so in the next piece too is that in generally or in general, uh, exotic plants have less of an ecosystem benefit. And so this is if this is something that matters to you, that's something important to consider. So what I mean here is that when when we have an exotic plant, it's native to somewhere else, right? It came from somewhere else. So let's say there's a plant that uh, is originally from, from Japan, right? So that plant has evolved over thousands upon thousands of years uh, with that local ecosystem. So there's certain bacteria and fungi and, and crustaceans and insects that developed in symbiotic relationships potentially or competitive relationships with that plant to either help it or to keep it in check from being able to spread uh, widely. And and similarly, it also evolved with other plants that may have a beneficial effect or a, a competitive effect with that plant. And so when you remove that singular plant from its its developed landscape, you risk putting it in a place where it has less of a benefit on the local population of plants, of microbes, of insects, of birds, and of all various other um, creatures. So I think you understand what I'm trying to say there is is that there's, it's kind of like taking a piece out of a puzzle and trying to fit it into another puzzle somewhat. So there's sometimes, you know, there, there's sometimes services and benefits that the plant can provide in a new ecosystem if there's a very similar plant that already exists in the space. But there's always that risk of it doesn't have a positive impact on the landscape as much as it did, say, where it came from. Uh, and likewise, th- the plant may require more maintenance to either keep it um, having the right amount of fertility it needs or to keep pests at bay because it's less well adapted to the pests in the new space, or to keep it in check from either spreading or growing profusely. Um, These are all things that, you know, may be required with your exotic plants. So just things to consider there. Okay, enough said about exotics. Now let's move on to natives and trying to understand what are the advantages of natives and what are the disadvantages of natives. So the first thing is in general... These are all broad generalizations, right? Uh, So in general, with native plants, 
the first thing you get is resilience. So native plants, assuming that it's actually locally indigenous to your local area, uh, native plants are generally better adapted to the region. So this means the the weather extremes, the weather um, anomalies, the local soils, the local plants competition and animal and insect competition, um, the any symbiotic relationships that may exist with any animals or um, soil microbes as well. So all of these things bundled together generally lead to more resilience of the plant that you're considering when it's a native. This is not always true, but um, that's generally more the case than with exotics. Uh, another advantage is you you do have beauty with neg- native plants. So I think a lot of times native plants get a bad rap for just being kind of ugly or be, you know grasses. But look at the success of the purple coneflower. You may have the purple coneflower in your landscape already, but this is a plant that's native to the North American prairie, and here it is now in tons of landscapes. Within the past you know fifteen to twenty years, it's become incredibly popular to where most people's landscapes now have purple coneflower in their landscape. And it's a beautiful plant, and it's very well adapted to the space. And so it does incredibly well just taking care of itself, which is, again, what we're looking for here with with low-maintenance landscapes. So sometimes natives have beauty, and they also have the resilience that, that is a huge advantage. So next Native plants have, here's another car coming by with my parking lot podcast. So you're welcome for the beautiful background soundtrack. Hopefully we get a few birds in here. I think there was a, there was a kill deer here earlier. I don't know if you heard it chirping outside the car, but it was kind of chilling out, listening to the podcast with you guys. So, um, yeah, we get birds listening too. That's pretty cool. Anyway, so back to natives. Another advantage of natives is you get regional and local character. You get a sense of place. And this is a huge thing with design, whether it's architecture or whether it's interior design or landscape design. Sense of place or sense of self is very important. And and likewise, natives can really provide a sense of local uh, adaptation, right? A sense of local place. So it makes it's what makes, you know, Ohio different than southern Texas to use the previous example. And what makes southern Texas different than than the coastal California, right? These are all very different places. And so kind of embracing embracing and and um uh what am I trying to say here? So like yeah, embracing that local feel and and promoting it, right? Showcasing it. That's the word I think I was looking for. Showcasing that local sense of place and how we are different than other regions and welcome to our region. This is what we have to offer. This is what our plants have to offer. So that is a, you know, a big thing for natives is that regional and local character, if it's properly designed in in a beautiful way, right? Taking the best uh, pieces of of the native local landscape and using it in a way that's structurally and visually appealing and 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 showcasing it to the rest of the world that's really cool um, the next piece uh, advantage of natives and this isn't important to everyone but it's a very important to several people you know to many people and and that's habitat so not only does your plant look beautiful or your plants or your landscape look beautiful but it also provides a healthy habitat 
for not just your family, but for the local populations of, of animals and, and creatures that come through your landscape and makes them want to come through your landscape in a way that's healthy and beneficial as opposed to being a nuisance. And so providing good habitat is very important to some people. And, and even if it's not important to you, maybe it's something you're indifferent to and, and that's, that might be a good thing. So a lot of times native plants are generally better adapted at providing good habitat for the local native creatures as opposed to exotic plants. And so that's something that is a huge advantage for native plants. So let's talk about the potential disadvantages of natives. So when it comes to native plants, the primary disadvantages I can think of, for one, a lot of people can potentially find them native plants as being kind of plain or or normal. You know, it doesn't feel unique or exotic or different, right? And so so for, for a lot of people with their design, that's what they want. And so there's kind of two things here. One is maybe exotics, you know, are something that you really do want to have, um, or it's maybe a lack of understanding of what natives are available. And, and to be clear, there haven't been a huge amount of native plants cultivated and and propagated for through nurseries for sale you know there's there's whole you know kind of demand and supply thing there's not a huge demand for them and so there's not a huge supply for them and so nurseries aren't you know um, propagating these plants and and selling them to people because people aren't asking for them and wanting to find them and so sometimes it's just a lack of availability and lack of knowledge of what's available um, to even want something that's native and so there's this greater availability of these exotic plants so the next thing is is that there's generally speaking i mean there's a lot less variety to native plants right you've restricted instead of saying the whole world i want plants from the whole world you're saying i want plants from my region or my country or or you know my continent right and so when you kind of you know that kind of secludes or excludes a lot of plants from your selection process. And maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe you're overwhelmed with, with the variety of selection. And so sometimes making that choice can be helpful, but a lot of times it's also people can consider it a disadvantage. You know, you have less to select from, especially if, if nurseries aren't able to um, propagate and sell it and make it available, um, it can be a challenge. So that's a disadvantage. Okay. Now that we kind of talked about, you know, the pluses and minuses of different uh, natives and exotics, what I want to segue into is is how I personally feel about this whole process. And it may have come out a little bit already. Um, I've been trying to, you know, be as unbiased as possible in my discussion here. Uh, but I'm sure you want to understand how do I feel about this. And then I also want to help you understand how you might feel about it or how you might change your perspective on this as well. And, um, and yeah, just kind of help us all have a perspective on this whole thing to, to begin with. So my personal take is in general, I prefer to select natives first. Uh, and again, this is, uh, you know, talking from the whole 1491 perspective, what, what existed here then. And, and if there, there's plants that can fit that bill, then I would prefer to use something that's locally adapted as opposed to something that I'm not sure if it's locally adapted and resilient to all sorts of changes and extremes and that sort of thing. So I generally prefer natives first, but not exclusively. Okay. I am, I'm willing to acknowledge that certain exotic plants can actually be for one, very beautiful and very desirable, but also they can actually 
be in a way that can be naturalized or adapted or or um resilient in the local landscape and and of course uh using i prefer using exotics with caution you know choosing from exotics that have been here a long time and that have been proven to to not overtake native landscapes or or to not escape into the wild out of the garden and and cause problems elsewhere and there's plenty of examples of how that's happened uh, here in the united states so when it comes to my my viewpoints here i like to enhance the landscape with habitat and beauty and so like I was talking with the huge advantages of natives is that natives are better at providing good habitat for local populations of insects and animals and just creatures in general. So, so of course, that's going to be one of my first selections. Um, likewise, I like to provide a benefit to local pollinators, okay? And so with this, having blooms that happen throughout the year, uh, throughout the growing season, and, and also having locations for uh, insects to be able to overwinter and to um, have sources of not only nectar but but other food sources that certain insects need so so i guess when i'm saying pollinator benefit i also mean just beneficial insects in general and so um, having good habitat for local insects is a better way to say that and um, there's a lot that goes into that but again natives generally provide a better um source a better um, home for for these types of creatures and 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 the last piece that i really like about uh, natives is that they're generally speaking they're more hardy and they're more appropriate for the space because they're better adapted they're able to weather more extremes in in um, conditions and and for that reason i just like them from their low maintenance standpoint if they're designed in properly they're generally better from that standpoint they're more resilient and they're more able to withhold uh i guess in a way neglect right that's kind of what low maintenance landscaping is is not being able to have to sit there and take care of it and and prune it and trim it and water it every day and and so you know you kind of see the example of somebody in a, a greenhouse at a conservatory and um trying to take care of a a, a little you know exotic plant and then you outside you have these like crazy weeds, uh, you know, that some people call them, but, you know, locally adapted plants that can just weather all sorts of extremes. And so that's part of why I like my uh, native plants. Now, with that said, I do have exotics growing in our landscape um, and, and that's OK. Right. Again, I try and filter them through which are the ones that are not considered aggressive and dispersive or some people would say invasive. I generally shy away from that term, but that's just my own personal preference because I, I think it's putting kind of almost like a human emotion on plants that, that you know, we brought the plants here. They didn't they didn't come here, and they're just filling a, a niche or a habitat that maybe needs to be filled. Um, but I, again, that's a huge debate that uh, I, I don't mean to upset anybody here. But but um, in general, I prefer non-aggressive or dispersive or expansive uh, plants, and so the way we figure this out is is what exotic plants have been here for for a long time what plants have been here for say over a hundred years and have we really shown that they don't really try and jump out of the garden and cause a bunch of problems right um a good example of how this did not happen is the uh, a lot of pear trees are used in the eastern u.s as ornamentals 
and I'm actually looking at several right now that are are planted on my uh, landscape that I'm looking at right now, and they're in bloom right now, and they're beautiful trees. They have a beautiful shape. They have um, beautiful flowers in the spring, but also I'm staring at a more naturalized space, and there's several pear trees growing in the road ditch um, just by themselves because they've become expansive and dispersive where they're, they're spread, their seeds are spread by birds after they eat the seeds and they grow up in these, in these rough areas and they kind of take over the local native populations and that's a big problem. So trying to select exotics that are non-aggressive or dispersive or expansive um, is very important. And likewise, it, selecting exotics that are hardy Again, we're looking for landscapes that save us time. And so selecting something that's going to take a ton of work, even if it's beautiful, just to me doesn't make sense. And so if that's a goal for you, I'm guessing that is if you're listening to this podcast, that you'd like to save time on your landscape. So select exotics. If you want to select an exotic, select one that's well adapted to your space that you're not going to have to take a ton of time taken care of, that's not susceptible to a bunch of diseases, and that's not going to have a bunch of issues with growth. So it's, it's important to select properly to get what we need out of it. The last thing I want to say here for my personal feeling is that planting something is better than nothing. And there are exceptions to this for sure. But in general, I would say it's better to have a plant filling a space than concrete, right? Or mulch or just weed barrier, right? So I'd rather have something growing there, even if it's an exotic plant, than not. And, and for that reason, because we as people, we've expanded across so much of this earth that we've really disrupted a lot of ecosystems and we continue to do so. But we've also just removed a lot of plant material from the face of the planet with development. And I'm not necessarily faulting one way or the other, but it's my opinion that it's better to have plants there than not. So we might as well plant something there. If it has to be an exotic, just, you know, of course, make sure it fits that rule of not being invasive or dispersive or suppressive or expansive, right? Um, Exotic plants can provide benefits. There's a lot of exotic plants that do provide a positive benefit to the landscape, even if they don't provide the best benefit, right? Or even if some native plants are better fit for that space. So if you plant something, it's most likely better than nothing. And that's, um, of course, with caution. And so that's my, my only hard and fast rule is I don't like planting something that is considered invasive or dispersive or suppressive or expansive, whatever word you want to call it, something that can just get out and start taking over places. I don't like those types of plants because they can really, really disrupt stuff. And and I don't want to be part of that. So and I, try, I try to take as many cautious or um, uh, careful ways of preventing that. And I've, I've made mistakes. Um, I've actually just recently removed some plants from our landscape that I actually thought I was planting some natives. I, uh, I planted some plants that I thought were, um, uh, a plant called marsh marigold, really beautiful plant, these little yellow flowers in the spring. Um, and they do do really well in wet areas. So I, I thought I found some, some of these plants it was actually in a gravel parking lot so i figured i wasn't doing any disruption by digging them up and replanting them so i replanted these plants into a very moist area of our landscape uh, last year well what i've discovered is that this was a look-alike plant that was a highly um, invasive plant uh, that is 
starting to become a huge problem in a lot of woodlands in our area, and it's called lesser lesser celandine or or celandine. Um, and so this plant, I, I quickly once I figured this out, I went out and removed this plant as best I can. So we'll have to monitor that very closely over the next um, next couple of years to make sure I did remove it well, uh, and hopefully so because this plant can totally take over a space and and causes a lot of problems. And I don't want to be part of that. So even though this plant was beautiful, I'd rather not be part of disrupting something that that could provide a lot of value to the area. So. With that, let's get into understanding what's your take. What do you want out of this whole deal? Do you even care, right? And so I want to help you understand how this matters to you. And so with with the first thing here, I want to say is what do you value? What's important to you? Is this important to you? Do you care about the ecosystem? Do you care about how your landscape ties into the greater landscape? Do you care what it does for for local populations of of creatures is this stuff important to you what do you value right if you just want beauty and you you kind of don't want all this other stuff then maybe you don't value this whole thing right maybe you're in totally indifferent to whether something's native or exotic or maybe even invasive right um or maybe some of this stuff does sound important to you and that could frame how you feel about this whole deal right okay Next, what type of design style do you prefer? Do you prefer that exotic feel? Can you get it with something that is locally adapted or that is an exotic that's locally adapted or vice versa if it's a regionally native plant that's been adapted to the region for years and years? So that kind of segues into my next question is, can a native plant provide your desired outcome? Can you get what you want with your landscape through the use of native plants? Or is it something that you basically, you just have to have exotic plants to get what you want? And that could frame uh, how you view this whole situation as well. Um, Does having more knowledge about the subject, does that help frame your review of it, right? Does understanding more about native plants and what native plants are available, does that frame how you feel about using native plants? And so these questions, those are... I want to keep it brief. So those four questions, what do you value? What type of design style do you prefer? Can native plants provide a desired outcome for you? And does having more knowledge help in your decision? Those four questions I want you to think about in order to frame your view on this this issue or this topic. And so with that, I actually, I want to wrap up there today and and have you guys just kind of percolate on whether or not natives mean something to you or not, and whether or not you'd like to use them in your landscape. And so if you would, as, as you guys know, my personal take is I generally prefer to use natives first. And so I'd also like to promote some resources um, that have helped me, and, and I want to share them with you as well. And first, I want to say, if you're listening to a podcast, you're probably familiar with other podcasts. And one I want to share with you is the Native Plants Podcast. So if you really want to nerd out on native plants, um, there's a group of guys that have put together a podcast, and they interview a bunch of people in the industry. And, and this is geared a bit more towards designers, but if you really want to understand native plants and what there is to offer and that sort of thing, I want you to check out the Native Plants podcast. And I'm going to provide a link in the show notes to a specific episode where they debate this exact topic. And the funny thing is, this is a spoiler alert, but they actually don't come to a uh, one hard, fast rule on what is native. 
right? And so the fact that professionals in the industry still have differing opinions, but they all care about native plants, right? And they still don't come to a full agreement on what is native. That shows you kind of how um, different and how new this topic is, but also how important it is to people. And um, so if you want to check that out, I have a link in the show notes. If you just want to check out the podcast in general, you can search for it on on iTunes. Um, and or you can go to their website at nativeplantpodcast.com. That's native plant without an S at the end, podcast.com. And likewise, I also want to share three different nurseries um, that are available on various levels for the continental U.S. And they, they all have different you know, types of plants and with different regional uh, availability or, or I guess regional native um, status is a better way to put that. Um, so the first is the Prairie Nursery. They're based in Wisconsin, and they uh, they have a wide variety of plants that are um, sourced or or originally from the prairies of North America. So the expansive Midwest prairie across much of the United States and all sorts of plants that are from that space. And a lot of these plants are great for your garden. So just something to check out there. Their website is prairienursery.com. Next, if you're from Ohio or the surrounding area, there's also the Ohio Prairie Nursery at ohioprairienursery.com. And they're actually just, um, if you're listening to this podcast soon after it comes out, they're just celebrating their 20th anniversary. And so kudos to them for, for being around for 20 years and providing native plants to Ohio uh, prairies. And last, if you're from uh, my near and dear uh, hometown of Cincinnati, you can check out, there's a, a, a local native plant nursery here in Cincinnati, and they're called Keystone Native Flora. And you can check them out at keystoneflora.com. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E flora.com f-l-o-r-a and i have a link to all of these resources in the show notes so just check them out there that's probably the easiest way to find them and uh and the next piece i want to say if you guys have any questions about the show um i want you to head on over to aesthetic ecosystems.com slash pod and there you can ask a question to be potentially featured on the show or just to get in touch with me there's a, a button right there you can click it, and you can get in touch with me there. And likewise, if you guys have anything to say about this episode specifically, let's have a discussion over at aestheticecosystems.com slash episode 17, episode 17. That'll take you to the webpage for this show. Uh, and there you can get in, involved with the comments and have an open discussion about this whole topic. And that'd be great, you know, um, to just have an open discussion, help us understand things and, and to develop some opinions here potentially, and also to maybe provide other resources that I haven't talked about today. And so with that, guys, thank you very much for coming by today. And thanks for tuning in and make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.